Hello, my name's Toby Shepshack and I'm a technology journalist from Johannesburg. I write about how innovation is better in Africa. And Jonathan Riber from Purple Hats asked me to interview someone who is quite fantastic. Her name is Professor Tina Selig from the University of Stanford. And she teaches creativity and entrepreneurship. If you haven't seen her TED Talk, you definitely should. There'll be a link to it underneath this video. I have to say it's fantastically good. It's got twice as many views as my TED Talk. And in it, she talks about this really strange and evasive thing called luck. Because if you speak to most entrepreneurs, they'll tell you, apart from a good business plan and a good deck and blah, 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 the key factor that got them where they got to was a big dose of luck. So, hello, Professor. Uh, I will call you Tina from now on. Thank you very much for joining us. It, it, it's it's a strange and it's some insub, it's a strange and insubstantial quality, isn't it? Luck, and yet we put so much in our lives to this thing that we think is chance. But you don't think it's chance, do you? Well, you know, it's so interesting. You just used in the same sentence the word luck and chance. And I actually think they're really quite different. We can yes. these terms, you know, fortune, chance, luck. We use them interchangeably, but I actually think they're quite different. And it's really important if you want to increase your luck to understand the nuances and the differences between them. Indeed. And so let's just define luck as you define it, because I, I have another great quote I want to use. But, you know, I watched your TED talk again this afternoon, South Africa time, very early California time for you. And it's, it's a great definition. I really like it. Well, here, let, let's start at the beginning, right? So fortune is things that happen to you. Like, I'm really fortunate to be born into the family I'm born into, or um, I'm really unfortunate if I get hit by a car while I'm crossing the crosswalk. So that's something, things that happen to you are related to fortune. Chance, you have to actually take a chance. You know, I have to buy a lottery ticket. I have to apply for a job. I have to take a chance. But luck is something over which you have much more agency. You have to make your own luck. And so there are things you can do to make yourself luckier. And since I've been living in the world of innovation and entrepreneurship for so long, I know that people talk about the role of luck in their lives, but they don't pay attention to the things they could or don't do to increase or decrease their luck. There's a very famous South African golfer. He's, he's kind of the Elon Musk of golfers, actually. His name's Gary Player. And, and the phrase that he used is, the harder you practice, the luckier you get. And I've always loved that. It's, it's, it's something that's kind of in the South African common mythology. And I've been hearing it my whole life. And it is really a clever way of demonstrating exactly that. You got to practice at getting lucky. Right. And it gets it gets used in lots of different ways and attributed to lots of different people. So the harder I work, the luckier I get. In fact, that's I, I used to when I grew up, this was something my father said all the time. The harder I work, the luckier I get. But I realized that 
hard work is only one of the levers that you have at your disposal for increasing your luck. If you think it's just hard work, you're missing all sorts of other things that increase the likelihood that you're going to have success. So, so Tina, one of the things you talk about that I think is fantastic is, is about the things you can do to make yourself more lucky, as it were. And one of them, of course, is something that most people aren't comfortable with is taking risks. And you did that to spectacular results, because I want to talk about your book in a moment. But it is a fantastic story of a risk you took on an airplane one day. Yeah, well, I, I take risks all the time, but it's really interesting and a very, very important to distinguish between different types of risks. Often, when you ask people, in fact, if I was in a room with a thousand people and I said, how many of you are risk takers? You know, half of the hands would go up and half of them would stay down. But you have to realize that risk taking is much more nuanced. It's not as though you're a risk taker or not. There are all sorts of risks. There's social risks, emotional risks physical risks, financial risks, political risks, I don't know, fashion risks. There are all different types of risks that you can take. And we all have a different risk profile. So what you're sort of mentioning around like my book, I'm super comfortable taking social risks, introducing myself to people, talking to folks, asking for things, you know, realizing that the likelihood that they say yes might be low, but the downside is also really low. And so I'm willing to take those risks. I love the story. You're on a plane one day uh, and you decide to speak to the guy next to you. I mean, I have the same. I used to travel a lot pre-COVID. Do you talk to the person? Don't you talk to the person? You know, you say hello and it's just a wonderful sequence of events that happens over the next little while. Yeah, in fact, it was. I was thinking about the, this morning because there was someone that I'm about to hire who's going to be an incredible contributor to our group. And I realized if I play back the story, it actually goes back to eight years ago talking to someone on an airplane. Because I met someone who then introduced me to someone, introduced me to someone who introduced me to this person who I'm going to hire. And that we would never be here where I am today had I not had that conversation on an airplane 10 years ago. It's really brilliant because it does show the kind of causality of what you're talking about, which is doing something that's action-based as opposed to expecting something that is chance-based, isn't it? Exactly. But there's so many little things you can do. I love the concept. One of my favorites is the idea of um, the 1% improvement every day. And if you think about it, and there's some great math behind this concept, right? If you do the same thing every single day, you know, it's 1.0. And over the course of a year, it's 1.0 times 1.0 times 1.0. At the end of the year, what do you have? 1.0. You're in exactly the same place. If you do 1% better, 1%, so it's 1.01, just a little tiny bit each day, you take a little risk, and you go 1.01 to the 365. You know what you have? 38. So you are 38 times better at the end of the year if you just do 1%. And what is a 1% improvement every day or 1% risk every day? It could be writing a thank you note. It could yes. be, you know, running around the block, you know, and getting a little exercise. It could be anything that's going to just make you a little bit better. You know, meet one more person. You meet one person every single day. Yeah. Think about the number of conversations you'll have, how much you're going to learn, and the connections you're going to make that you would never have had if you hadn't said hello. 
I love that. It's such a wonderful way of talking of, of, of acknowledging what happens in the world, right? I, I had a mother who always said to us, always tell the truth no matter what. I'm the youngest of six Jewish kids, so obviously this was an important <laughs> family functioning uh, principle. But the other thing she taught us is that don't only say the bad things to people, compliment people or say good things to people. And uh, one one of the your, your your pillars, shall we say, of of creating luck is complimenting people, realizing what you're grateful for, and thanking those people that have brought something to you. And I, and I think that is just so few and far between in a world of, of me, 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 selfie, selfie, you know, you're that, at, that you it's couldn't just... couldn't be any more right. Exactly. Yeah. This is so important. You know, as someone who does a lot of things for other people, right, whether it's part of my job, like teaching, or people who ask me for introductions, or ask me to, to help them, mentor them. The number of people who actually say thank you afterwards is minuscule. It is shocking really? because, you know, all you have to do is send a quick thank you note. In fact, I, I think I mentioned in my TED Talk, I have a policy, I have a practice that at the end of every single day, I look through my calendar and I send thank you notes. You know, just an email. I don't have to write them all out, you know, on paper. I just send a thank you note to every single person who has done something that day who has helped me out in some way. You know, I really appreciate it in our lunch today. I learned something new. Or Toby, thank you so much for the fabulous interview. It was such a pleasure to meet you. Hopefully we'll get to meet in person sometime. You know, just a little note, it changes the entire dynamic. And it is not manipulative. This is not about trying to be opportunistic. It's doing the right thing. And when you do the right thing, amazing things come from it. I know. I mean, I, I, you make me feel like a bad person. Tina, no. I mean, it's just <laughs> what a wonderful thing to do every day, you know, to like tell everybody you dealt with, thank you. You know, what a, like a wonderful, but it's also a way of kind of mentally recapping your day, you know, and I know that you're very authentic and I, and I'm, I'm going to try. That's what I'm going to start trying well, to do. You know, I know Yoda says, do not try, but I'm, I'm, I just, I really love <laughs> that idea. Can I tell you another story, which I, 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 I don't know that you read it in, I think it's one of my favorite stories about making luck. I was literally in the grocery store and this man came up to me and, and he was there with his little daughter and I was there with my little son and he asked me how to make uh, lemonade. He had a can of lemonade and it was clear he wasn't from here, his accent, and he didn't know how the rules of how to make lemonade were. So I explained it to him, but I was so curious, right? I could have left it at that explained to him to you know put three cans of water with a can of lemonade and um but i got in line behind him in the checkout and i started chatting with him and i said where are you from and he said oh i'm from chile and i said well gee what are you doing here and i sort of learned he was here in silicon valley to learn about entrepreneurship i said gosh you know i teach entrepreneurship i run the entrepreneurship center at stanford i'm happy to help you out if and it was like wow that's great so i gave him my card he reached out to me. Uh, we ended up becoming friends. And yeah. a number of years later, I was in Chile and he invited me and some of my colleagues, I was there for a conference to go and meet him in the center of the city where I was picked up by his family's helicopter, drone, flown around the city for a tour of the city, you know, over their family's ski resort and then back down. This would never have happened had I not said hello in a grocery store. 
I love that because that's what that's what my mother taught us. You never know what serendipity could happen. Exactly, exactly. But I would never have known what I had missed, right? If I had never said hello. So, so, but but what you're also saying is is effectively just speak to somebody else, whether it's on a plane or in a grocery store. Just talk. That's what us human beings do. And we, you know, we're all like people on the tube in London. Thou shalt not speak to another person. <laughs> only South Africans do it. We're always talking to people on the tube like crazy, weirdo foreigners. But only in London, you know, we're, we're normal everywhere else. But, but what's, what's fascinating to me is you make human contacts. At the very essence of it, you help another person out who doesn't know how to make lemonade. And as a direct result, everybody wins. Right. And you know what's interesting? By talking to someone, so taking that sort of social risk is one thing. There's the, yeah. you know, just writing thank you notes. But there's so many other things, right? It, it could be a physical risk of saying, I'm going to go and learn how to run a marathon and every day run a little bit further. Or taking a financial risk and saying, you know what, I'm going to invest a little bit in this in this company. Or I'm going to try... Um, I, I don't know, whatever whatever your domain is for risk-taking, do just a little thing. And this is really important. It's not about taking huge risks where you're going to end up falling flat on your face. You know, you don't take all your money out of the bank and put them, on, put them on number seven in Las Vegas, right? That's not what it's about. It's about taking small calculated risks that end up, um, if they end up working out, end up really increasing your luck. I mean, I, I, I profoundly agree with you because it is, it is actually, I mean, I, it's so funny. This morning on my way to drop my son at school, he said to me, Daddy, what is change? And I had to say to him, change is what we do all the time. You know, when I'm speaking to adults, I go, change is just another word for evolution, just faster. You know, we, we are designed to change. It's so bizarre that we're so sentimental and nostalgic about the way we do things as human beings, as human beings. And yet our very nature is to be changing or to be evolving, you know, to use the scientific term. And, and, and what you're saying about, about taking a small risk every day. And I, and I love the idea of it because you're not saying, Bet everything on seven at Las Vegas. You're not saying quit your job and start another job. You're saying do zero one, you know, point zero one percent difference. That makes thirty eight percent at the end of the year. I sound very sophisticated because someone who speaks maths as a first language said this, and I just listened. Um, <laughs> and 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 that's change. That's everyday conscious. Just a little bit more. Just a little bit more. I mean, I, I'd like to wish. I could do that with exercise, but I'm a, a non-practicing health fanatic. <laughs> so, so it's just incremental, and it, and it's incremental in 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 a, in a very simple and achievable way. I think it's very pragmatic what you're suggesting. Well, I I also tell my students all the time that, and this this is another example of how you make your own luck. Is that when you get a job, you do not get that job you're getting the keys to the building. And if you think about it that way, then you're now in this job and you're now looking around for opportunities, right? Where can I make a difference? How can I be helpful? What can I do to move things forward where someone else isn't taking the lead? And you can see, I see it in the people who work with me. I see it in my students, those people who are paying attention to the opportunities and the challenges around them and making just little 
changes, little experiments to see if they can make a difference end up becoming the ones who end up really succeeding in their career. If you only do the job that you have been assigned, then you're again, it's like 1.0. You're doing the 1.0 yeah. as opposed to that 1.01. Uh, look, uh, I mean, uh, what you're saying validates the decision I made, you know, 20 years ago as a young reporter when I realized that that I was employed for eight hours a day, but I was working 10 hours and then I calculated it in a rare moment of mass first language ability that I was doing an extra 10 hours a, a week, effectively an extra day and not being paid for it. And I said to myself, well, then I'm going to freelance. I want to write about other things my beat doesn't cover. And that was, in many ways, my personal story of that. I wrote about the things my my current job didn't cover, and I wrote about more and more things and, you know, did things like interview Andy McNabb um, and then got to meet President Mandela, my, the best job in my career when I was about 25 was following Nelson Mandela around him. And my career has been in turmoil decline ever since. Um, but, but all I did was, was exactly what you're saying, which is instead of working for an extra 10 hours for free, I just worked a little bit more and a little bit more. And what did I do? I followed my passion, which was about technology. I was a, I was a hard news reporter. And then I ended up becoming a technology editor of a, of a national newspaper. Very funnily, uh, six weeks later, I became the sports editor as well, even though I know oh nothing about sport, <laughs> <laughs> except rugby, <laughs> which is a great, you know, opportunity to practice new skills in the deep end. But, but it was that, it was exactly that, that like just incrementally doing a little bit more in my case, to make a bit more money, but actually doing the things that were were my passion, which was writing about technology and, you know, and this guy called Annie McNabb, whose book I'd read, um, you know, so, so that's my personal life story is exactly what you're proposing. So I can say your, your theory, your belief system works. I, you know, if only it was a company I was starting as opposed to, you know, a freelance journalism career. Well, you know what's interesting? If you ask someone how to do something, like how to get from South Africa to San Francisco, or how to start a company, or how to run for political office, there's going to be a normal recipe for how to do it. But if you look at most people who've been successful, they probably have not followed that path. They've yeah. taken another journey, a different, and I know that from my own experience, I have never, never gotten a job the normal way. I have never. It's usually. Mazel tov. I know, exactly. I, you know, open the paper, I read about something, it's like, that's interesting. I'm going to reach out to that person and see if, you know, if there are any opportunities. Or God, even the way I got into grad school, I kind of talked my way in through the back door. And it, it's really important to realize that there are so many other roads you can take to get to your objective than the ones that people might tell you are the normal way to do it. And, but, I also think that it's important to keep in mind that other people will tell you how you should do something, right? People yes. are very comfortable telling you what you should do. And I'm a deep believer that resistance to your ideas is a huge gift because it allows you to test the strength of your own convictions around yes. what you want to do. If you're always doing something that other people say, oh, that's a great idea, that's a great idea, you, you lose the ability to say, no, I actually am doing something my own way. It doesn't have to be the way that everybody else mm. is doing it. 
That's really good. I mean, I, I, it's like my father when I was a kid, when I really wanted something, I had to fight for it. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and, and that's why you probably the, cared about it a lot more when you actually had to fight exactly. for it. Exactly. You know, now that I'm a parent, I'm like, I love to give my son more Lego. You know, everything in me yearns for him to have as much you know, Lego as his heart desires. But it's got to be an earned reward, not a, you know, damage your cute reward. So, right. or something that it, he can, right. So, can I tell you a story about that? So Please. when this is okay, how old is your son? Four and a half. He's four and a half. Okay, so project yeah. forward to my my son was when he was sixteen, and he was a okay. competitive he was a competitive cyclist, and he okay. wanted desperately to get a super 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 fancy super expensive bike. I know. And I my said, friends cycle on them. They're insane. That's right. But I he and I said, well, that's very nice for you. I am not like no, I'm not buying you that bike. And But I said, I would like for you to go back and think about what you could do to make me want to buy that bike. Don't just ask me for the bike. What is it that you can do to make me say, oh, my God, of course, I would be delighted to buy that bike. So he went back and he came back to me and my husband the next day and he said, I have a deal. Um, at that time, I had been traveling a lot and there was just, it was a lot of things that were, became a little bit of stresses in the household of like, who was doing all these different things that I was not doing when I was traveling. And he said, okay, mom, I will make dinner three nights a week and I will do my own laundry. And he was 16. He was going to be home for another couple years before going off to college. And he said, I will make dinner three nights a week and I will do my own laundry if you would pay for half of the bike. What do you think I said? Yes, no yes. problem. Of course, that sounds like an amazing deal. Okay, I did the math. It was, I was like, if I tried to hire someone to do that, it was going to be cost a lot more. So uh, that's what he did. And he would call me on his way home from school and say, what do you want to have for dinner tonight? And I'd say, tell him that's what fantastic. to make. And he would I'd go to the grocery store where we had an account and he would go pick yeah. up all the ingredients and I'd come home, the table was set, dinner was made three nights a week. And Fantastic. not only did he learn the, you know, get a bike, but he also learned all these skills that were incredibly important. And we got to practice that negotiation and every negotiation sets you up for the next negotiation, right? So we built trust around that process that then the next time we had to negotiate, it's like, okay, great. I trust you're going to follow through. I trust you're going to follow through. What's the next thing we're going to negotiate? Yeah. But that, but, but, but I mean, I just love this, Professor Tina, because you've just told a story about you know negotiating and and setting goals and but but it's a brilliant parenting story. Like I get so much value out of that. You know, hopefully by the time I'm having a conversation with my son in twelve years or so, he's got a bit more of a full brain and <laughs> his negotiation <laughs> technique isn't screaming and you crying. Know, it doesn't. Um, he can be saying, "I want to have pizza for dinner," and you could say, yeah. "You know." Help me understand, like, make me want to get you pizza. I mean, no, no, I'm with you. I'm with you. But, you (laughs) you know, I want to ask you another story because it's one of the stories you tell in your TED Talk, and I just love it because it's it's a demonstration of the power of taking a risk and the power of going, you know, I tried, you know, is such a South African word. It means, like, you know, oh, oh, damn, you know. So, uh, so you were flying on a plane. you, You decided to speak to a guy. He was a publisher. You spoke to him a little bit and you and you kind of thought, I'll take the chance and, you know, show him my, my manuscript or my project. 
I'm going to leave it to you because it's just wonderful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, I started chatting with him. I learned he's a publisher, and I um, thought, oh, I've been working on an idea here, and I kind of, you know, asked him if he would be willing to take a look at it, and he was so polite. He looked at it and he said, "This is really interesting, but not for us, not for us." I was like, "Okay, that's fine." That was like nothing lost, right? He said, fine. But he was clearly intrigued enough by our conversation in that five-hour flight that by the time I yes. got off the, you know, off the plane, he had sent me a text saying, let's stay in touch. And I think that was what makes him lucky, right, as a publisher, is that he yes. stays in touch with people. He thought, you know, that project isn't right, but, you know, this is someone interesting I might want to stay in touch with. So we became friends. And um, I started inviting him into my classes. I did a whole project on the future of book publishing. I, I just, we found ways to collaborate. Then what happened is my students were working on a project that he was so excited about. He wanted to do a book project with my students. I mean, I was a little bit like, really? You want to do a project with my students, not with me? But like, okay, fine. So I connected them all up. And the students actually weren't interested in writing a book. They were graduating. They were like, okay, that project's over. I'm not, I'm not interested. But he had brought one of his senior editors with him to the meeting who said, well, Tina, you know, have you thought about writing a book about, you know, that's related to the topic of creative problem solving? And I said, well, by the way, I have this book proposal. I showed him, this is two years later. I showed him the exact same book proposal. I had showed his boss within two weeks, I had a contract and within a year, the book had sold a million copies. So I just, um, I love that. But, but it's so really great. interesting because Probably it all worked out for the best because in those two years, I had much more content. I mean, even though the proposal was the same, I was much more prepared, actually, to write the book two years later. So it worked out brilliantly. And I ended up have done now three books with them, with HarperCollins. And uh, all it's about It's just fantastic. You know, it's like... Uh, but I, but it's the, it, I go back to that Gary Player quote about the harder you practice, the luckier you get. You know, the harder I practice, and 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 it's really you are practicing the techniques which you teach, which is take a chance, a little incremental bit every day. I'm sorry to use the word incremental, but you know, yeah. point. It's it rolls off my tongue a little bit easier than point zero one percent. Yeah, um, it's perfect. And 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 what you're talking about is the critical difference that my parents explained to me as a kid between being a giver and a taker. And in essence, what you're talking about is being a giver. Give a little bit more. Tell people you you're grateful for your interaction that day or what you do, or just acknowledge them. You know be a giver in terms of giving to yourself and taking a bit more of a risk. I know it sounds a little new agey. I'm a little scared by that, but nonetheless, what you're talking about is just being more of a human being. And the end result is everybody around you is more of a human being. And I, and I think that's really amazing. And of course you dress it up in the, the terms of entrepreneurship, but what you're talking about is being a better human being. You know what? We are all, re are all responsible for inventing our own futures and we have tools that are in our tool belt that we often don't use. And so what I'm trying to do is help people understand all the tools they have for inventing the lives they dream to live. It's fantastic. It really is fantastic. I have to say, Professor Tina Siegel, thank you so much for, for doing this interview. Um, really wonderful, really deep thinking about these quite remarkable concepts of how to make luck yourself, how to make your sale bigger, 
you know, to catch the luck. And I, and I, and I associate that because my other mother, Wendy Seafor, always used to tell the story about this is the gesture of life. Hold your arms outright so that you experience life at its fullest. And that's exactly what you say in, in, in I think one of the most wonderful analogies of exploration, which is the sails, the big sails got, you know, the Europeans over to the colonies, both yours and mine to see the rest of the new world. And that's exactly the kind of, of, adventurous spirits i think that people in business need to have now because we we live in an age where there is so much that's been done that the new stuff that needs to be done takes quite a risk and and uh, needs all of the sale building to get the luck uh, i don't know if i've managed to stretch the analogy <laughs> far works, enough. Works. yeah just but go thank with you it. so that's much great. tina what a it's what a master class Really a pleasure. Thank you so much for including me. Thank you very much.